PW Hustle Networks present PWR at the Movies. Join the professor, Tommy Wonder, and JB as they discuss the greatest pro wrestling moments in movie history. big-time music business personal manager. Maybe a little down on your luck. But you're working on a big deal. Maybe things will change for you. Hi. What do you want from me? $67,811.19 to be deadly specific. You're making the big moves. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? No, no, whatever it is, the answer is absolutely not. I've been thinking about our relationship. <laughs> what relationship? Message for you, Mr. Smilak. But things could be better. Maybe you ought to branch out a little. <laughs> I need someone who takes no crap. Tough. Tough. Maybe you're on your way back to the top. Smilak, at your service. We've got something for you. What's that? Hey! From the director of Smokey and the Bandit, Body Slam. Do something! Stay right there! It's the outrageous comedy where wrestling meets rock and roll, and a loser becomes a legend. You don't need music to wrestle. You need... Smilak, what is that, a stomach disorder or a disease? Wait, 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 go away! How about this, Mr. Smilak? I should have stayed in the music business. You're a dead man, Smilak! And you heard it here, folks! I'm Rizal, for the greatest president! Two top managers! I don't know about you, but I can't... Body Slam, starring the A-Team's Dirk Benedict, Tanya Roberts, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Captain Lou Elbano and a host of familiar faces, twisted arms, broken legs, stubbed toes, fractured thumbs, aching backs, and lots and lots of laughs. Body slam. Reflectionites. Hello, big Vetoites out there on the Twitch. Hello to the big Vetoites on the Patreons. Hello to the big Vetoites on the Twitters. Hello to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, and every point in between. It is your friendly neighborhood professor, Chababa Cruz. Welcoming you to the PWR Podcast here at the PWR Networks at Podbean.com. And also on the Big Vito brands, on your Patreons, and on your Twitches. Look for it. Google it and learn from it because it helps you get through the through the days. You know, guess what? Bill Gates is going to have to Google divorce lawyers. You know, he's, he's going to lose half his money. So, you know... She's going to get half, and I feel sorry for, for Bill. I don't know why. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Welcome to PWR Goes to the Movies. 
I forget what number this is, but it's probably number six or number seven because we've done a couple. We've done the No Holds Bards. We've done the Ready to Rumbles. We've done Hulk Hogan Baywatch episodes. We've done The Wrestler. And now we're going back to the movies to do what I've been wanting to do since we started the movie trend here at the PWSNetworks.com. We are going to talk about Body Slam. But before I do that, I must introduce my man. You know, no, he's not sleeping on the Twitchites. No, he's not sleeping for the big Vito brand on the Twitch. Because if he was sleeping, I'd hear him snoring because he's got that body mass to, to really snore. But he is your friend and mine. The conservative liberal. The man that calls it right down the middle. The Bob Mackie, the Gorilla Monsoon, the Lord Alfred Hayes of the PWR Podcast. Wearing the ultimate warrior cap. Your friend and mine. The idiot of the Dum Dum Duos. Mr. Wonderful Tommy Strong, a.k.a. the Tommy Wonder. And now oh, he's snarling. Uh, hey, we also did They Live episode of thunder in paradise Uh uh-huh i'm sure other stuff too so i'm i'm sure we'll we're at least at seven yeah we are we are at least at seven but i i lost i lost count that's what it was i think we're on number seven for the for the movie uh, sagas here so that's what it is this out of the way right now Uh this is hands down my favorite one of all the ones we've done, of all the ones I've watched, this is the one I enjoyed from start to finish. Well, I do have one problem with it, but start to finish, I enjoyed this movie immensely. I'm a huge fan of Dirk Menedek because of both Battlestar Galactica and the AIDS team. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Body Slam. What's not to love? The guy should have... You know who he reminds me of? Who? I should say this guy reminds me of Dirk Benedict because this Dirk Benedict is a legend before this guy. Mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff. He remind every time I see Eric Bischoff, old school Eric Bischoff, not mm-hmm. right here. He remind me of Dirk Benedict. Also, he had the hair like Apollo. So right. Starbuck and Apollo had a baby. That's Eric Bischoff. Yeah, you, you know what? If you look at it, Reflection Nights out there, yeah, it is a it is an Eric Bischoff from the nineties. It is an Eric Bischoff from the WCW days with the slick hair backs and, and you know and conning the wrestling world as what he did to become the <laughs> biggest man in professional wrestling. But yes, you know, are you not you ribbing the Reflection Nights, TW? Are you ribbing the professor saying that this is mo- your most enjoyable movie episode that we've 100%, done? One hundred percent. Like, like. Like the wrestler, I talked about it when we did it. I had issues with it when it came on. Mm-hmm. Watching it the second time, I appreciate it for what it was way more. And I enjoy it. I I don't think I could watch the wrestler over and over again. Which the same can be said for Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies ever. I can't mm-hmm. watch it over and over again because once you know, you know. Right. Whereas Body Slam is just a feel-good I mean, every there's so many cameos in that damn movie that you're just like, oh. wow, you know. And uh, we'll get God into that. Roddy's soul, God rest Tony Roberts' soul. Um, and it's just it's just a feel good movie. There's nothing to watch it is to just enjoy it and to escape for an hour and thirty six minutes. It was, it wasn't. Well, there was politics in it, but they didn't tell you what side was what, whatever. And it's very minuscule. But it is what media or what entertainment is supposed to be. It is an escape from the shitty world we live in and for oh. one hour and 36 minutes that's what body slam did for me on top of taking me down memory lane from i mean i loved this movie as a kid because it came out in 86 that's that's basically right around the time i started watching wrestling so mm-hmm. it, it to me it was kid and candy store and it's kayfabe like right it's, 
is presented as real. So mm-hmm. it's just nothing bad about this movie to me at all, except for one thing. No, no. Well, hold that one thing that you hold that critique right now, because before we even get into the movie of Body Slam that came out in 1986, we got to get all the logistics out the way. But I got to ask you this question, because I asked you this with no holes barred. I asked you this with Ready to Rumble. And you remember this question, T.W.? I've always talked about the timing of the movie. You know, like you said, no holes barred. It came at the tail end of Hulkamania where the popularity was waning. Ready to rumble. It came at the tail end of the Monday Night Wars where, you know, WCW was floundering and it wasn't as popular as it was. So, you know, how successful a movie those two movies could have been if it was a year earlier or two years earlier. But this movie, we cannot argue, TW, that it came at technically the right time. It came at the rock and wrestling years. 1984, 1985, 1986. So I can't say did it come at a bad time. But I will say this. I have a conspiracy theory. So this might not be a question to you, TW, but maybe you can retort back from my conspiracy theory here. Now, let's go. Like, TW, you know how hip-hop and rap was so popular in the early 80s. You know, it was was coming up. You know, you heard it on the radio. You heard, yeah, Sugar Hill, you heard it on the radios, you heard it on mainstream radio, mainstream TV, it was coming up. But corporate America, you know how evil corporate America is. They try to oversaturate it, dumb it down, and when you had like 75-year-old grandmas rapping on things, they were trying to turn hip-hop into something that it wasn't. They were trying to make people get mad at hip-hop and so, it could go, so we could go into another genre or we go into another flavor of the moment. But we, the streets, refused to let <laughs> hip-hop go. But the only thing that, that was a casualty was breakdancing, and breakdancing had to be the fallback, you know, the casualty, you know, breaking one, breaking two, that kind of sucked. But that was I it. Loved I loved them both then. I probably would hate them now. No, 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 but that is, the but those were examples of corporate America trying to dumb down something. This to me with Body Slam, I'm not, and I understand the, <laughs> the nostalgic feeling. I understand the escapism. You are so right on the button. There's no politics here, really. There's nothing. You can escape, and, you know, the kayfabe was alive and well. But to me, this was even the cast of characters, even the cameos that we're going to talk about here. It felt like corporate America was just trying to take advantage of, you know, wrestling, you know, getting that mainstream push because of Vince McMahon, because of WrestleMania, because of the NWA. And they were trying to dumb it down, oversaturate it with something that they thought that could make fans turn away. What say you? I will say the reason you probably think that I disagree for one reason. Corporate America had nothing to do with this movie or would have had better writers, better directors, and probably bigger stars. No, I'm using a symbolism. It's the symbolism no, of, no, you know. I, I, I think what this is, and I think I would think the same for the rap industry, especially <clears throat> later on with, like, stuff with Hammer, Young MC, and Vanilla Ice, where I think it's America or Hollywood or whoever trying to ride the lightning, trying to, to, to take advantage of it and Perfect example of corporate America doing something would be no holds barred because mm-hmm. they did put the juggernaut behind it and they did push it and they advertised it and, and it was garbage, right? Okay. They, they just, and to me, it's them saying, oh, wrestling fans will watch anything, right? Mm-hmm. If it's Hulk Hogan, they'll watch it. And they were wrong, right? So with Body Slam, 
it, this almost comes off as a made-for-TV movie. It doesn't feel like something you would have saw in the theater, right? Mm. It, it just feels low-budget. It doesn't right. feel like anybody. If I, I thought you were going to go a different spin and how I talked about Ted Turner last week. I, I thought you were going to say someone low-budget had to make this movie because Hollywood wouldn't go near it. You know, Hollywood money wouldn't mm-hmm. go near it um, because of the stigma of wrestling. Like, people that watch wrestling are losers, you know, or white trash or broke or poor, or whatever the case may be. It, it just, it, I think it was frowned upon, and I still think it was in 86. It, it didn't really get, like, big, big. I wouldn't say WrestleMania off of the stigma i would say later on because if you think about it WrestleMania three biggest one ever until that one in dallas and the next two years were in atlantic city that's mm-hmm. that's that's small like that's little that was mind-blowing to me which i get it because you can't like now they're just like the hell with it they go for broke they go from one big place to the next because they pretty much know someone's coming now it is mainstream there's no you can't even if there's people on the iwc ywc making fun of it it's still mainstream it's still watched by athletes it's still watched by musicians and actors and that show heels that's coming on now because of that guy from arrow and the guy from vikings it, it's hollywood now wrestling 86 mm-hmm. i think it's starting to be but i think it was more cable but not that makes sense like like the rock and wrestling was right. tv Right, but that's that's the example of, you know, WWF was using MTV the right way, using, you know, right. Vince McMahon was using CBS for the for the cartoon crossover the right way. This is, like you said, if it was low budget or low brow, but they still use the cast of characters to try to take advantage of it. That's why I think it, I always use the corporate America mentality that they're trying to oversaturate it and sour it so this way fans can be like, uh, this, why are we liking this? Why why is this becoming popularized? Why, why are we, uh you know, co-signing this. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. You mean wrestling in general? Yeah, wrestling in general. The wrestling in general. Absolutely, yeah. But I think they did it the other way by not touching it. Mm -hmm. Not not getting behind it. Because this shit was low budget. There's no... And uh, you sent me a link to something. I can't remember what the link was from. What, the movie? Yeah. Oh, I sent it off of uh, an app. 2B TV. Okay. Okay, so I did watch your link, but not through you. I just, I searched Firestick, and it came up, watch it for free on Tubi. So Mm -hmm. I actually downloaded Tubi to my Firestick and watched it that way, because there was no way in hell I was watching that on my phone. And then when I watched it, it's in standard format, like, so it's only the middle of the screen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ugh, and they had commercials. But it, it, I'm telling you, I enjoyed it. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not ribbing anybody. He's telling the truth. He is telling the truth. Because, like I said, and again, part of me in 1986 thought this thing was gone with the wind, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's different in that I didn't go back thinking it was a great movie then and it's still a great movie now. Like, I say this all the time. If I watch Billy Madison for the first time today, I'm not, I'm not making it through the whole movie. But mm-hmm. watching Billy Madison when I'm the same age as Billy Madison, living the same stupid lifestyle, maybe not of the rich son, you know, but of just an idiot mm-hmm. it's it's one of my favorite movies ever it's that happy gilmore all the adam sandler shit when he makes newer movies now if it's not family shit like like blended family or 51st date stuff like that i'm not going to relate to it because i'm 47 you ha- years you old. have your you have your taste you have your flavor well, that's, that's what it taste. is it's about relating 
Mm-hmm. I can relate to Swingers in 1994 or 5, whatever year that movie came out. If I watched Swingers for the first time today at 47, I would be like, what is this shit? But because that was my life when I watched it, NHL 94, so it had to be 95 or 96, that that resonates. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, perfect example, watching Boys in the Hood when I was a kid, that age, great movie. Watching Straight Outta Compton, because now you're watching a movie about people that you liked back when you were a kid, right? It's almost a documentary, but acted mm-hmm. out instead of talked about. So, right. Yes, yes, with the taste and all that. I know that I watch Body Slam for the first time at 47 and talk about it as nicely as I am now. But mm-hmm. it, it was a nice distraction from reality. It was harmless. It was, like I say, music sometimes is ear candy. It was eye candy, ear candy. It was, you watch it, it felt good. Like, seeing Piper like that is different for me. Like, even mm-hmm. today watching it. I watched the rest of it today. I watched most of it last night. But Piper as a baby face was just weird, you know, because 86, mm-hmm. he's not really a baby face yet. He's well, it, it was six months he was a heel and six months he was a baby face but in I mean, technical terms. Like, towards the end of his career and his life, he was a baby face, he, whether mm-hmm. he wanted to be or not. He right. just was an icon who people refused to boo, and mm-hmm. he's no Mitt Romney. And so um, – <laughs> Watching him back then as a kid in 86, I mean, 85, he's fighting with against Piper or against Hogan and Mr. T. 86, he's fighting Mr. T. Mm-hmm. So 87 is when he fought Adrian Adonis at the Silver Dome and right. he turned babyface. But you had to turn babyface. He had a movie. And I don't know of if course. it was a bomb. I'm going to assume you're going to tell me it was a bomb at the box office. But you, you, you know, the logistics of this, you know, I can't even laugh at Body Slam because, you know, it was almost doomed to fail because right. of all the politics behind the scenes. It was produced by Hal Needham. And this is a funny fun fact here, T.W. That's a, fun, a funny fun fact. That's a good word here to say. But Hal Needham and Dirk Benefit Dick actually fought the producers. <laughs> I, I, it was a tongue twister, but Hal Needham, the producer, and Dirk Benedict, the star of Body Slam, actually fist fought producers of the studio because they were they changed the script on them. This could have been a better movie. This could have been a darker movie. This could have been a more serious oh, movie. This, this could have this could have been a movie that could have uh, paid homage to wrestling in the right light. Who knows? But anyway. Neither here nor there. So it never got released theatrically. So I can't oh, give wow. you the money. I can't give you the oh, money wow. situation. It was released straight to v- VHS and Betamax on, in November of 1986. And you know they don't have the numbers when it came out straight to video. It's, de- it's definitely a dud because, you know, it probably was, let's say, five. Nah, that's too expensive. Two million to produce. So they couldn't right. even make that money back. They actually lost money producing this low-brow budget, low-brow movie. So, T- T.W., what do you think about that? They were, wrestling was already, you know, a black sheep in Hollywood, and they didn't even give it a chance. You just, I feel even strong, more strongly about what I said to you. <laughs> they weren't getting behind it to sabotage it. Well, maybe Dirk Benedict said, you are trying to sabotage this movie by changing the script on us. We didn't even like the final product here. But anyway, neither here nor there. You have your opinion. I have the my opinion. It makes perfect sense now to me. 
Okay, well, we'll 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 talk about we'll talk about that there's in greater thing, detail. I'm just going to give you a segue. I'm not going to say what it is, but mm-hmm. there's something that happens right before the final scene, mm-hmm. and then when the final scene happens, they never go back to it. So you never right. know come of it. You, it to me, it feels like they just hurried up and put together what they had, and mm-hmm. like that's it. That's the best we can do, and they hadn't finished filming because they were they rushed a gag it. That mm-hmm. doesn't pay off. You know what I'm no, talking about? I, I I think I get what you're saying, but let's just get into. They mess his car up. Right. Mess his car up. Mm-hmm. And then and he does like a switcheroony kind of thing. Yeah. And, but they never I was gonna, go back to it. Of course, that's what I, that's what I was going to talk about at the end. But anyway, right. let's get it before we even get into the plot and the stories here, reflectionized because you know this is going to be a quick movie uh, segment here because you know everything is not about the matches here. It's about the storyline. It's all about Dirk Benedict, eighteen fame. He was face. You know, he he's with Mr. T. He's with Hannibal. He's with Murdoch and all that stuff. A Team in nineteen eighty six is a top ten show. I've watched A Team on NBC on Saturday nights, and I know T W watched A Team on Saturday nights on NBC. But we have to at least acknowledge. It was Saturdays, definitely Saturdays. Wow. It was like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at Saturdays. That's when you know it wasn't about Thursdays. TW it wasn't about you know NBC taking over Thursdays, which they did. It was about Saturdays, and that's when TV was TV back then, the good old days. Right. But before we talk about Dirk Benedict and his trials and tribulations in this movie, which is a great segue here, a, a great segmented uh, storyline here. You talked about the cast of characters. At least let's acknowledge all the wrestlers here. We had Roddy Roddy Piper. We had the Tonga Kid, Sam Fatu. We had the Wild Samoans acting as bodyguards, well, for Lone Shark. We got Captain Lou Albano, who plays Captain Lou Morano. We got the Cannibals, played by the Barbarian and T.J. Khan of NWA fame. And that, and we had appearances by the NWA champion, the Nature Boy, woo, Ric Flair, Bruno San Martino. We had Freddie Blassie, and we had Sheik Adnan Al Casey. So TW, this was not a WWF movie. This was not a, no. an NWA movie. This was a Hollywood. Maybe Hal Needham was a was a wrestling this, fan. This is starting to sound like a New Jersey movie <laughs> or North, North Carolina movie. No, I'm I'm saying that because you know if Vince McMahon was really behind this, you know he could have been a dick. He could have said, I don't, "I'm not going to have my guy Rowdy Piper. I'm not going to have my, my my man Tonga Kid or Captain Lua. This is his guys. These are his contracted guys with his vision of going nationwide. You know, taking over the world. I think Vince McMahon saw the bigger picture like you did. You know, give us more buzz, give us more exposure. Any exposure is great exposure. What say you, T.W.? Because you know, there's there's a war. There's a there's a there's a turf war. NWA and, and WWF. You know, your guys and my guys and all that stuff. And they they actually collaborated with each other and made it work. Well, I I would think guys do it is winning the war at the time, right? So one thing Vince has done for most of my life until they weren't winning anymore. Uh, they never, ever mentioned the competition, ever, mm-hmm. right? right? Whereas NWA or WCW were always taking shots at WWF, relentlessly. And what I equate it to is you never see Burger King in a McDonald's commercial, but you see imitation McDonald, Ronald the Clown in Burger King commercials mm-hmm. for my entire life, right? And so 
you don't ever see Pepsi in a Coke commercial, but your whole life you've seen Coke in a Pepsi commercial. And all you're doing is giving them free ad. One of them, you're still putting Coke's logo in someone's eyes, right? And at some mm-hmm. point, I think Pepsi overtook Coke, but I still think Coke's number one today. And same with McDonald's. Burger King's probably not even, I think Taco Bell might even be second or something like that, not Burger King. But anyway, um, I would say since it was an independent show and since it was Flair and it was, uh, I'm not Flair, since it was Piper and Tonka Kid, I wouldn't doubt that if Jim Crockett's like, shit, if we can get our guys on screen for that movie, let's do it. So, mm-hmm. For the same reason. Like, even if it is Piper starring in it, we want you to see, and they called him the world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. They didn't call him former. And, and they said NWA. Uh, Bruno, they said former 15-year world champion. They didn't say WWE or WWM. Obviously, no, they, they said they, WWE back then. Yeah, they but didn't say that. I, I think those guys are like, it's, it's kind of like, I think I told this story before, Kelly Preston at some point was not getting booked in Hollywood and said, you know what? Instead of taking these low budget movies where she shows her titties and all that, she she would she would take the smallest part in an A movie before taking the leading role in a B, C, or D movie. And she played Jerry Maguire's ex girlfriend in the opening scene of Jerry Maguire, right? And you saw her ass. I don't know. Oh, that was a stunt booty. Right. But then she's with Bob Sugar the rest of the movie, but she's really not a main character. From that point on, she got booked in bigger movies again, right? Mm-hmm. Because someone saw her in an A movie, whereas the people booking for the next A movie aren't watching B, C, and D movies, right? So it paid off for her. So to put Ric Flair, she got that was w- WCCW, um, mm-hmm. which he ended up in the WWF eventually. He was the Idola or whatever. Right. Slaughter and... Uh, no, Gen- General, Ad- General Adnan. Right, that's the guy. Well, yeah, yeah. he was general. Right, but I'm saying he was like an Ayatollah with that thing on his mm-hmm. head. Uh, yeah. But anyways, Flair, Bruno, all these guys. I mean, I liked that they were in the audience, but I wouldn't be surprised if Crockett was like, "You got to put some of our guys, and you know, if you can get them in there, and you know, say NWA World Champion." And they never called the tag belts the NWA tag belts. They just called mm-hmm. them the World Tag Team Championships, which I thought was another cool thing that they were doing it that way instead of mm-hmm. one guy chasing. It actually felt better that it was a tag team, you oh, know, that they yeah. were buddies and they were in it together. Mm-hmm. We'll get into, well, in this movie, wrestling is real. There's no kayfabe. This is, you know, all the booking and all this stuff. We'll get into that reflection. Ice. But now let's get into the crust of this movie. And it revolves around Dirk Benedict's character, Harry Smilak. The down-on-his-luck music manager who had the Midas touch, you know, he probably was, you know, he met, you know, in his world, in his dreams, he managed Madonna, he managed Michael Jackson, he managed Lionel Richie, he managed Van Halen, you name it, T.W., he had something to do with their successes. But for some strange reason, Harry Smilak was on the downturn. Harry Smilak was down on his luck. Harry Smilak couldn't book a flea market, T.W., and, you know, and because of that bad Dairy luck, Queen. the Dairy Queen, as, as what Kick said, and that's one of his only musical acts that he has here. Because of this, T.W., he cannot afford his house. He cannot afford his Ferraris. And he has to take a loan from the Korean Savings and Loans, which where we get introduced to the Wild Samoans. And I forget the Korean guy's name, but he calls him Harry Smirak. Because he is, he owes him 60, 
He's he owes Harry. Well, Harry Smilak owes the Korean National Bank, which is illegal, sixty eight thousand dollars. T.W. I, I I cry when I hear that term because, you know, sixty eight thousand dollars in 1986 financial times. That's like owing three hundred thousand dollars on a home. T.W. You fell for Harry Smilak, didn't you? Absolutely. He just he's he's Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Eric Bischoff is no, he's good at selling himself and not as a prostitute, but like he he believed in himself, so you believed in him and he he well, did No, like, no, no, no. No, actually with actually because of what I just said, he's more like Paul Heyman. He didn't have the money. Yeah. The tech the checks bounced, oh, but you yeah. believed in him. You believed in him eventually. Uh, uh, not Paulie. Uh, Eric Bischoff had someone else's money, and yeah. that's what Benedict was doing throughout this movie was mm -hmm. using other people, tricking people into giving them their cars, doing stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like he completely worked everyone. But yeah, that's perfect. Paul Heyman is right. But but I meant you look at him and think, ah, right. Like he yeah. gets even the flea market guy. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, he's like, what a show after not wanting to work with him, you know, on a second date and all that. So. So what are you gonna we, do? But it, right. So we try to get into this movie here while Harry Smilak cannot pay for anything. He can't even pay for a McDonald's Happy Meal. That's how bad it gets here. You know, Harry Smilak makes a deal with his lawyers, his personal lawyer, who's actually charging him four hundred fifty dollars an hour. Reflectionites. He needs to book entertainment for a you know a gubernatorial candidate. We don't know if he's a Republican. We don't know if he's a Democrat, a Libertarian. Who gives a fuck? He has to book the entertainment. And you can tell T.W. that this gubernatorial candidate, you know, he's he's snobbish. He's from the hills, Beverly Hills and all this stuff. So long story short, you know, while he's trying to wheel and deal and, you know, hustle his way to make it through another day, he, you know, finds his way to another meeting. Some guy named Mr. McMillan, who is actually having a meeting with quick Rick Roberts, played by Roddy Roddy Piper. I didn't even catch his name was McMillan. What a shot of it. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, you're right. It could be a shot of him. But McMillan is trying to stonewall quick Rick Roberts into signing a, a contract that is co-signed by Captain Lou Morano, played by Captain Lou Albano. What a stretch. You know, I don't know if Captain Lou Albano <laughs> had to take acting classes to try to play Captain Lou Morano, but that's neither here nor there, Reflectionites. But... Harry Smilak infiltrates this meeting. He assumes that Roddy Piper is actually a musician. He doesn't know that he is a professional wrestler, T.W., and he negotiates a great deal for him. So what say you about, you know, this is the American dream. You know, you, you hustle your way into meetings. You, you know, anybody can have a dollar in a dream and make it big. You know, but in but there's a reality here, T.W. I can't go into City Hall and, you know, in in the Bombay, New Jersey and speak to Governor Phil Murphy and the mayor of Newark and all this stuff. I can't get I'll get arrested. I'll get tased. I might get shot and you might have to <laughs> wear a shirt that says, you know, professor free, you know, professor needs justice. That's what it would be. Could you go into Governor Whitmer's office, knock on her door and get a meeting or would you be, you know, handcuffed and going to jail that's that's real life for you and i but harry smiley could walk into this meeting what say you i would get handcuffed and tossed down because they'd be like we seen you on facebook motherfuckers but, uh, <laughs> we're the reason you got banned three times but uh you'd be an insurrectionist you, know, you have to suspend disbelief and you have to 
I know. But you I, know who else he works in this movie? Gomez Adams. He works him for a car. Oh, yeah. I forgot. The, the guy, who he, Gomez Adams, who plays Stewart, a guy, he hustles a Cadillac, T.W. He hustles a Cadillac, a rental Cadillac. This is the greatest. You know, what say you about Dirk Benedict? Because, you know, you saw him in 18. He holds a gun, but, he, you know, he's... His character from 18 is no different than the character here in Body Slam. He, you know, he's shrewd. He's a, he's a, he's a con artist. He's a playboy. You know, he loves the, you know, he's very attracted to the lady. So there's not a real stretch between the 18 Dirk Benedict and the Body Slam Dirk Benedict. What say before we get into the? It's, it's, it's like, like I always say, whenever I see a movie with Tom Cruise on the screen, I don't give a shit what his name is. I'm mm-hmm. like, go Tom Cruise. <laughs> <It's> Tom Cruise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas if I see Johnny Depp, I whoever he is, that's who I see. I see Edward Scissorhands. I see Ichabod Crane. I see that guy in the secret window, the writer. He's mm-hmm. different in every movie until Jack Sparrow. Now he's Jack Sparrow in every damn movie. So, But until he became Jack Sparrow, so I would say Tom Cruise is just larger than whatever movie he's in. And so is Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp being a method actor or whatever, like he was known for pulling his teeth out so mm-hmm. that he looked more like a character. Like he would do it himself. Let play, he, grab he, players and pull his teeth he, out. He got into and, the character. I get what you're saying. Right, he gets he into his into character. character. So you're watching the character as opposed to watching Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say Dirk's Benedict is Dirk's Benedict no matter where I see him, even right. as Apollo. You know, just, just, just like Captain Lou Albano, he's Captain right. Lou. He's Captain yeah. Lou Moreno. There is no stretch here. So right. Dirk Benedict, and you talked about you know Roddy Piper here. This is 1986. Let's say from January to July, he is a heel. He had his war. He had his boxing match in WrestleMania two against Mr. T. Now from from August to December of '86, this is when he started having his uh you know tips with adorable Adrian Adonis, and they had the barbershop, I'm not the barbershop, the flower shop versus Piper's Pit. This was a great storyline for WWF purposes. But, T.W., you said it yourself. I'm nine years old here. He's produced, you know, he's uh, producing this movie. He's being, you know, he's filming this movie, let's just say. And could I separate, I don't know if I could separate you know, the hot rod, what I saw, you know, beating up Mr. T at WrestleMania 2, and then this movie comes out direct to VHS, and I'm like, wait a minute. I, I think I saw this movie in 87, which didn't, I could suspend the disbelief, because if right. this movie came out in August or July of 86, and he's full-on heel, and the way he acted, he was very, you know, cordial. You know, he, I felt bad for Roddy he's Piper. He's likable. He's a likable character here, but you know, the character that he plays in WWF, you know, you know, I, I don't want to say that I, I, I side with wrestlers, you know, like, let's say, you know, y'all have been on mean and old and Jim Cornette and all the old school guys, Rip Rogers. But, you know, they always say you got to, you know, live the character 24 seven. So technically he did not live his character with the, what he was playing here. Quick Rip Roberts. He has a niece named Missy. You know, he he didn't. You felt bad that he was getting hustled by McMillan and hustled by Captain Lou Morano. He wanted, you know, he wanted to get a good contract so this way he could provide for his niece. What say you, TW? Right. It's not. He's not Piper. He's not mm-hmm. Roddy Piper. Well, he's quick. Well, he's quick, Rick. <laughs> but I don't think when Jim Cornette and those guys are talking about living the character, they mean in the street, not in mm-hmm. the movie. 
you know, because in a movie you're. But isn't but but technically movie, you're not. No, no, but technically isn't this like what you're doing here? Like Captain Lou Albano didn't really break his cafe because that's the way he acted, so it was not a stretch. But Roddy Piper, yeah, he did break cafe because he wanted to kill people, and by then he's the Bulldogs manager. He's the baby. <laughs> he's more like Piper, and Piper's more like him. Yeah, it, it, you know, it could go be, it could go either way. But I think Hot Rod is the hottest heel. There's a difference between Lou. Right. I mean, no, 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 absolutely. It's it. Th that's what I meant about it. it was weird seeing Piper like this. He was an odd choice to be the babyface. Mm -hmm. He's he's better off. You get instead of uh, Barbarian, which I get it. They were trying to make those guys monsters and unbeatable. Mm -hmm. Why not have Bob Orton and Roddy Piper be the heel tag team and have Jim Powers be the babyface? You know. And Tonga Kid. Well, they wanted to make money. They wanted to make money. Wait, you cannot have make money with Jim Powers. Come on, T.W. I still be in there. Tito or Ricky. Or Ricky. I go with Ricky Steamboat to be the quick Rick Roberts character. But here's another little twist at the end of the day. His tag team partner is the cousin of the guy that made him famous when he bust him in the head with a coconut. I know. We're going to say. And Dirk Benedict's character, Harry Smilak. You know, hustles, you could say, maybe controls the contract out of Tonga Tom. That's his character here. <laughs> That's his character here in Body Slam. And, you know, he made his deal at Gold's Gym. And it's funny. You're all right, T.W., because two years ago or even a year ago, Piper and Snuck had a feud. Piper and Tonga, the Tonga Kid, he decimated the Tonga Kid on Saturday <laughs> You know, superstars on Saturday. He decimated the Tonga Kid at Madison Square Garden shows. He embarrassed him. He ridiculed him. He said a lot of you know racist Samoan shit to both of them. And now he's his. And now Dirk Benedict, the 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 evil genius Dirk Benedict, Harry Smiley got somehow, some way to get Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tong to become a tag team. And their debut was you know against two masked men i there was no name they didn't they weren't the invaders I thought, well we'll call them the we'll call them the white conquistadors here for you know logistic purposes tw so you know the funny thing when we talk about this match here you know let's just talk about the their debut match so to speak against the tag team i don't care about the moves that they did it was you know for 80s moves what I loved about at least this match when I saw it against the White Conquistadors here was the crowd. They were standing on their feet for a headlock. They were standing on their feet for an armbar. I miss those days, TW, where the fans could at least... I don't think fans can be that hype for an armbar in 2021 to TW. We would say boring or get out of, our, get right. out of that ring. Right. Those fans are what fans should be today in 2021. What say you about the fans here for the debut tag team match of Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom? It's a hot crowd. It's a Texas crowd. It's a UWF crowd. That's a California. No, that was California where they were doing no, it. No, I know. I'm just saying the, the responses <laughs> is like they're the ones you want to wrestle in front of. That are They're booing the bad guy and cheering the good guy. Like as a heel. I wanted mm -hmm. to get booed. I didn't like coming out there and making people cheer for me because mm -hmm. I knew what it was going to lead to, and it did. It led to me becoming a babyface, and I had no, no ambition to be a babyface whatsoever. It's it's catch twenty two. You're happy to get cheered, like because you know they're cheering you because they like you, not because mm -hmm. you're just going out there and shaking pies and kissing their babies, right? right. But it, I like 
heels. I wanted to be booed. I wanted two people in the audience to like me, right? So mm-hmm. that they would get booed by the other fans because that's what I did when I was a kid. I would cheer for the bad guy and the fans would boo me because me and my buddies were cheering for the bad guys. And so to to wrestle in front of a crowd like that, it's it's I mean, it makes your job easy, right? Like you mm-hmm. obviously that's a studio crowd. It ain't they're told what to do. But right. sometimes I always watch these shows and I wonder if doing this stuff in front of an actual wrestling crowd they like, mm-hmm. hey, give us give us ten minutes to cu- film some stuff, and and they rile the crowd up. You've been to live events where they go to commercial and they tell you, hey, when we come back from commercial, we're going to count down from five, and we want and you to they want you, yeah. to go live, get loud, you know, yeah, stuff like that. They rehearse so, the audience. Yeah, they, they, they rehearse right, right. the audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I I think you know I like the crowd. I, I I that's what I mean about everything I liked about it was like that was the I. I like the wrestling where it's dark, except for the ring is lit up. Mm-hmm. Or I like it when the whole damn place is lit up. Like, like it looks like world class. Like, it's just daytime, and everyone's mm-hmm. wrestling, and there's no distractions. Whereas, like, one of the things I was just watching NXT earlier, it's there's so much shit going on behind the ring that it's hard it, to focus on just the ring. It's a distraction. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad distraction, yeah. The, the... And you got the stupid... Uh, fence everywhere and that plexiglass and it's like what the hell man there's stuff everywhere and same thing mm-hmm. with aew you know they got people standing around and whatever and they got wrestlers acting as fans rehearsing you know singing right. judas and all that stuff so it it's it takes away from the the in-ring action right. and then you know it's or it's orchestrated it's like crowd wrestling fans are wrestling fans they just cheer yeah. and they boo and they enjoy it Yes. You know what I never got into? The shit you guys all love on the damn hustle page. That Japanese shit. There's no way. I I never once even thought. Because I'm smaller. That probably would have benefited me in Japan. But Mm -hmm. many people I know went to Japan, you know, to do some stuff. Scott DeMore was doing it before he ended up making it, you know, getting impact and all that stuff. But I never had any ambition to go to Japan because... I would not know how to work that audience. Like, they just sit there, and then they clap. Or they go, ooh, ah, or they do whatever. Granted, I didn't watch it. If I did, I would have figured out what worked the crowd mm-hmm. or whatever. But just their reaction, uh-uh. There's no way I would enjoy it's it. A, it's a respect factor that you have right, to get used right. to. That's all it is. And right, But, right. you know, they're knowledgeable. I, I, they'll like you, me, or they hate you. To me, those guys wrestling in the empty arenas before they had the TV screens, before they mm-hmm. had the, the other workers coming out there as fake fans, those guys wrestling there, if they wrestled in Japan, it was probably that quiet when they wrestled until they got the, right. the ooh or the ah. So those mm-hmm. guys probably did great with no audience there, right? You just lie to yourself and mm-hmm. tell yourself you're in Japan, but there's, uh-uh, there's no damn way. And by the way, I always bitch about one thing about wrestlers that they don't have them. What are they? Knee pads. I noticed today, and I can't believe I didn't notice this before, but I think Track will tell you it's because I'm too busy looking at her toilet. But Tony Storm does not wear knee pads. Do you care? No. Okay. I didn't even notice. <laughs> but she's but she has... wearing like the fishnet or whatever, so you really can't. Like It's not just bare leg running around with like a little shoe. And, Fish and, and fishnets are the ladies' knee pads that you can yeah. pass for it. Yes. But you got to look at the butt. That's what it is. But anyway, I understand what you're getting at. This crowd here was jacked. This crowd here was hyped. Every match that that went on in Body Slam, yes, that's a, that's a beautiful ass right there. 
of Tony Storm. But every crowd here in Body Slam was jacked to the moon. This wasn't a Japanese crowd, Reflectionites, by a long shot. <laughs> but you know what? Let's get back so. into the Dirk Benedict side because, of course, of course you know, he's – He's a, what you might call, he's representing the wrestling side, but he also has the music side. He has to, again, organize this thing for a gubernatorial candidate named Wilshire. But, of course, we meet a vixen by the poolside, T.W., so I wanted to at least get that out of the way. Her name is Tanya Roberts, T.W. I know you at least rewound that uh, swimming pool scene at least a dozen times before you you know, completed this movie. What say you about the vixen, Tanya Roberts? Well, I hate to break your heart and tell you I did not rewind it because I was afraid if I did, Tubi would, like, start over from the beginning or something. Okay. But uh, uh, to me, because she died so recently, that's the first thing I thought of when I looked mm. at her. So instead of subjectifying her with the elevator eyes, I just was mm. like, man. And then it started me thinking, is Dirk Benedict still alive? And I think he is. But I think he, I think he is. I just, I just thought, man, Albano, Piper, her, um, Tonga Kid's still alive. Um, mm -hmm. Steve Riley, I think, is dead or whatever. Charles Riley, um, the guy who yeah, hosted the show. Yeah, I think he's passed away. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it's just sad. That's the thing. I mean, granted, that's almost forty years ago. It's thirty-five years ago. So, it's not like it is last week and everybody on there is dead. But it, uh, when I saw her, not to be a, a fun governor here, but she looked great. She mm -hmm. definitely looked great. And actually, my first thought was, look, it's the A-team meets Charlie's Angels. Right. <laughs> like, All right. And, and I, thought, I bet you they were hitting it in real life. Could have been. But and also. Beautiful fuckers. But you, you did not, you know, state the obvious. What was that? She didn't, have knee, she didn't have knee pads on. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that, you know, since you're not, you, you're a sucker for, you know, people not wearing knee pads. She had no knee pads at the pool, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But we get to meet the the vixen Tanya Roberts because she's the gubernatorial candidate's daughter here. So of course, Dirk Benedict also has a music side. He represents a band called Kick, no S, just Kick, and they are a rock and roll band who is booked to play the gubernatorial candidates, you know, mixer dinner or, you know, you know, pollster dinner, whatever you want to call it. And it was an internal flop, neither here nor there. But of course, you know, this is what this is the downtrodden Harry Smilak trying to hustle his way out of this. But anyway, you talk about Charles Riley here, who plays the character Vic Carson. He is the Johnny Carson of wrestling talk shows, and he hosts a, a show called Ring Talk. And on this particular ring talk, it's Harry Smilak. It's Captain Lou Mar Morano and a little person named Tim McCluskey, TW. So these are the top three managers. Or it's Billy Batty. Billy, Billy Batty. Well, that's his real name. I'm giving the character name here in the movie. That guy was in The Wizard of Oz. Wow. He's that like that the last surviving little person from The Little Wizard of Oz. Wow. And he's in this I'm movie. I'm certain. I'm almost certain. I, that's off the top of my head because I've always thought that. Mm -hmm. I will check it while you finish. I cut right. me off, but I had to for that guy. Well, again, if he was the last surviving member of the Wizard of Oz characters, then God bless him. He made it till 1986, so he must have been in his must have been in his 60s or even late 60s to make it that well, far. Older but, than that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Could have been older than that. But TW, we were, you know, Ring Talk was the wrestling talk show you had to be on in California. And Harry Smilak made it to the big time. So him, Captain Lou Morano, and Tim McCluskey are all there. And, you know, Harry Smilak is trying to sell the public that Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom are the tag team of the future. And, of course, Captain Lou Morano, he has a slew of people. But his main two money makers are the world tag team champions for five years running, the Cannibals, played by the Barbarian and T. Joe Khan. Now, I saw these guys in the NWA. Barbarian, you know, he was working his way up. And I would kind of call him a, a little bit of a low, lower mid-carder. T. Joe Khan, I think he was managed by Paul Jones, if I'm not mistaken, during the NWA heydays. So he was a he was a foot soldier, and he he was a he was like you say a hand in the business. So T.W. Before we even talk about those matches, you know the look of T. Joe Khan, the look of Barbarian, it was Road Warrior esque. You could say the Cannibals were Road Warrior esque when I when you first look at them, but not a lot of people know the Road Warriors except for the wrestling world. So you know when right. you see the when you see these dudes. You're like, wait a minute, these look like Mad Max Thunderdome, you know, foot soldiers here. So what are, what are they trying to do here? It, it doesn't look realistic to maybe the casual eye. What say you about the cannibals look? Now, 86, <sighs> Powers of Pain already existed, right? No. It was like eight, Not it yet. Wasn't. I thought it was, it was, 80, it was 80s, 87, 88. Okay, so Tijo was there before Warlord got there. Yeah. All right, okay. So I remember Tijo Khan... Because, again, remember, 86, I'm not watching cable yet. Mm -hmm. I remember him from the magazines, and he looked great. Like, I, I, I want to say, movie is the only time I've ever seen him in a ring. Because mm -hmm. he's done by the time I get cable. Like, I don't think he's around long. If he is, I missed him or forgot well, him. No, when I the end. When, when the NWA remember that guy. Yeah, when the NWA was expanding and Jim Crockett took over every NWA quote unquote territory that needs to be taken over, Tijo Khan was a you know a sacrifice. You know they couldn't keep him, so he had to go to the other territories like Alabama or Mid South or whatever, or you know Tennessee or whatever or Kentucky, whatever the case may be. So you know the look of the cannibals was very intimidating and all that stuff. But like I said, if you know you wanted a visual, it's like you know Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, those foot soldiers with the Mohawks and all that stuff. So right. you know, ring talk happens. You know Captain Lou Morano throws uh, Harry Smilak over the top rope. And, you know, he gets a broken neck. He has a date. You know, he kind of he has a lunch date with a with the Vixen Tanya Roberts with a neck brace on. And he meets again for the second time the Korean National Bank man and his wild Samoans, Alpha and Sika. You know, and, and, and again, you know, the funny thing we, we'll talk about, you know, as the, the movie ends, what should have happened. But Alpha and Sika in the in the. You know, it's funny that the Korean National Bank is the Korean Mafia here, and you got Samoan dudes playing the muscle here, TW. Look at the dynamic. You got a <laughs> Korean guy, Samoan, uh, you know, muscle, and they're acting like the Italian Mafia. This is stereotypical shit here. What say you, TW? <laughs> well, first, I got to correct myself on Billy Barty. Mm -hmm. He was young and he was old enough to have been in the Wizard of Oz, but I believe the Wizard of Oz is 1931 or 39. I think it was 39. Dracula's 31. So okay. he would have been 15 years old for the Wizard of Oz, probably 14 mm -hmm. when they filmed it. Okay. He wasn't in that. He wasn't in it. 
Okay. He was in Bride of Frankenstein, which that's 1933. But he was in Under the Rainbow, which was mm-hmm. a movie when I was a kid in the 70s. You were probably just born. It was like 78, 79. Mm-hmm. It was about the midgets from The Wizard of Oz. It was, a, mm-hmm. it was, it, it actually, I want, that's what it was. Is it a documentary about the midgets? No, it was a movie called Under the Rainbow, but what it was was the, all the surviving lollipopkins were in that movie, and the, but the whole movie is, well, I mean, I'm sure there's regular-sized people in there, too, but mm-hmm. the whole movie was based on, you know, I can't, you can't say midgets anymore, but at the time, it was midgets. In 1978, it was midgets. The, the, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, we will forgive you, T.W. Go ahead, say midgets. We give you a pass. So he was, he was in that movie... Under the Rainbow, which mm-hmm. as a kid to me, calling it Under the Rainbow, telling me that it's all the surviving members from the actual Wizard of Oz movie, to me it was like being on the Wizard of Oz. So okay. I didn't realize he wasn't one of the surviving members. He died in 2000, by the way, December 23rd, wow. 2000. So mm-hmm. he, he had a good run. He, that, that makes um He was a kin. He probably was a kid. He was akin to somebody who played the little people in the wizard right. of Oz. That's what it is. So I get, I get the six degrees of separation there, but you still got to answer. You got to yeah. still answer the stereotype here. We got a Korean guy. We got, you know, Samoan muscle and, uh, you know, the Italian mafia theory theme theme here. So it's well, all stereotypes. I'm going to start calling you JB. So I'm going to have to disagree mm-hmm. with you. Go ahead. Because if we're stereotyping, the mm-hmm. Korean wouldn't be working with the Samoan. They'd be killing each other. It would I be know that. Korean. I'm just all awesome mm-hmm. Owen or none. It was this is, the, this is the colors of Babylon. That's what it is. This but is one of the ongoing gags in the movie mm-hmm. is him calling him Japanese or Chinese and everything but Korean and mm-hmm. him, him correcting him all the time. And at the very end, he talks about Egg Fu Young. He goes, that's Chinese, not Japanese. And he goes, Korea. <laughs> it's like, it's like you could not do that today. And also Billy Barty on ring talk, Says it at least two times. Then he Faggot. says it again on the second episode. Faggots. Faggots. <laughs> and, and then Albano says it. And he goes, you know, the guys with earrings. And then Dirk Benedict goes, you mean like the one you're wearing in your ear right there? And he's like, oh, shit. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it went, but that's a perfect example of it's funny. No one's being hurt by it. It's just funny. Right? They're, they're, they're calling, which I get the logic. Don't come at me with the LGBTQ LMNOPs. But... I get the logic that if you call someone who isn't something, something, you're really ripping on the something, not mm-hmm. the person, right? Right. But the reality is that's not what someone's doing. Someone's just having fun, teasing someone else, because what we're going to get in trouble for saying soon is mm-hmm. telling someone they're crying like a little girl. It's, it's coming off the table. I'm just <laughs> predicting it now. Put money on it with dog coins. And and bitcoins that, that that's been you, that's been over from two thousand five. No, do- I'm telling you, people in Canada are going to be arrested if they tell someone they're crying like a little girl. They're mm-hmm. gonna, even though little girls cry more than anybody in the fucking world. And if you tell someone they're crying like a little girl, it's true. It's done. You can't. Well, you no you replace you re- cancel culture. But you replace girl with bitch. You cry like a little bitch. That's how you get around that. So now, now you're picking on female dogs. You can't do it. Well, dogs can't. Well, dogs can't complain, and they have no lawyers. That's the next marriage. That's the next no. march from legalization of marriage. Well, well be- dog. Well, I have no. You know, if there's any reflectionites who love, who are into bestiality, go ahead with your bad self. Gooch. I ain't gonna- for sure, Gooch. For Gooch, sure. lo- Gooch loves the dogs. Okay, I, I did I not know, know this. Dogs, maybe a goat, <laughs> orangutan, out a turkey. I don't know. 
but he tried. Do not put the visuals, man. Don't put the visuals <laughs> in my head. I, who's the pitcher and the catcher here between Gooch and the Goat? If, if Ray really listens to our show, he's mm-hmm. going to Photoshop a picture of Gooch in a turkey. I, I already predict that right now, too. Okay, okay, Ray, you got it. You got your homework assignment if you want to do it. But anyway, yes, we have those subtle little stereotypes here. We, we talk about, you know, Tim McCluskey's uh, F-bomb on ring. T- you know, the funny thing, when he, when he drops the F-bomb, so to speak, Ring talk is seen by millions of people, prime time all over the country, and he got away with that. So that's a funny thing here. But anyway, you know, the match that happened. Wait a minute, that was a real show. Yeah, that was Ring Talk. It was there. It was a. It was a late night or prime time wrestling talk show. I did not know that was real. That was their. That was their real show for for Body Slam. Oh, I thought you meant it was in real life. No, it, it was really they took because. Piper says to him, oh, it's the number one syndicated show in America. So I, I thought you were basically telling me there really was a well, his, But his name is Vic Carson. So they, you know, they took homage to talk, Johnny. Carson. Yeah. So yeah. they call that Ring Talk was the number one talk show for sports, you know, quote unquote sports shows. Right. So gotcha. now quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom, you know, Dirk Benedict, you know, with the now broken that's a crazy ne- name. Tonga Tom. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't doing that today. Right. Well, that's that's a stereotype in itself that I can make fun of for hours on the on the day. But you know, after you know, all the stuff, the bad date that Harry Smilak has, he's and the car gets repossessed for the fourth time. You know, he has to go into hiding. He gets in drag. But now, Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom are going into the ring against the Invaders. But they pull a fast one. The promoters, you know, this this is where wrestling is real here. The promoters are controlled. There is no promoters. Captain Lou Morano controls the wrestling business. In the United States, so he, con- you know, he conspires with the invaders to take it the night off, and the cannibals come, and it's not a sneak attack; it's just a surprise, you know, opponents for Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom and TW with weapons, with weapons and chains. And you know what? The funny thing is, you know, we could talk about the sneak attacks and, and the chains and you know taking them out, but TW, did you hear the commentary? Chick Hearn. Los Angeles Lakers fame commentator Chick Hearn was the, the lead play-by-play man for the booby body slam. So, you know, I did not know that. <laughs> yes. I mean, I knew who it was in the movie. I didn't know he was the Lakers guy. He's the Laker guy for 80 years. That's the, wow. that's the, he did it for 80 years. And actually Los Angeles sports fan then, because there's no way he did that with, for money. He did that because he was like, for the love of the movie. He right. did it for the love, but but anyway, let's talk about the 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 sneak attack and they beat down the the hero teams, the cannibals, with the chains. You know this, this and again, we got to go with the crowd. You know the crowd, you know, cheered for the arm bars and the headlocks from Quick Rick Roberts, <laughs> but here they booed the they booed them out the building and they couldn't do anything. TW, what say you about you know the the attack from the cannibals? Well, this is where the movie starts to get off off like off track off track for me because in a real wrestling show this would set up the big match for next week like the reason they lost is because they were taken by surprise it's Mm -hmm. still a sneak attack in the fact that you didn't know they were coming out you didn't prepare for them all that it'd be like floyd mayweather coming out to fight a guy who's prepared to fight uh the guy that fought tyson peter Mm -hmm. mcneely or whatever the hell that guy's name was um okay so so in real wrestling, that would have been money 
being mm-hmm. printed right there because the very instead it blackballs them from the business. They're in the hospital hurt. Ace face is hurt. Then the next, you know, he's out of the business. He quits at the hospital and then Piper comes and talks him out of it. So what happens from that point on for me is everything is rushed. Mm-hmm. Again, you made it all make sense to me. There was probably way more stuff planned right. that the fist fights probably happened because they wouldn't give them the money to do it. So, because that's mm-hmm. what a producer does is produces money or sets or, or camera time, whatever. So this, this, this should have been where the movie picks up. Instead, this is where it goes down because yeah. I didn't like that. That's all it took to make them nothing, you know, and they mm-hmm. had already wrestled the invaders to start the show. The show started with them. Well, we call them the white conquistadors, so right, we, we can't call them the invaders. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and it's another thing that happens there that, that is a, another plot hole is he tells them, well, if I'm going to manage you, you guys got to have cool outfits. They still dress the same damn way the rest of the movie until that last match. Right. So I don't know if that was spliced wrong and it was supposed to be something he said later or what. It could have been. But they, they never matched until the very end and they had capes out of nowhere, which they didn't explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when those guys came out and beat him up, it was almost like, okay, you're doing it right. You're setting up the big payday. But instead, it runs them out of the business. And I, I just thought, well, that's weird. Like, Ricky Morton didn't run out of the business. He came back two months later with stars mm-hmm. in his face and do a packed but house to wrestle Ric Flair. I guess with the 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 production, you know, difficulties that, you know, ha- Harold Needham and, and Dirk Benedict went against with the, the studio, you could say, TW, right. that they had to, you know, mix and match a lot of things. So right. after no, the hospitals, yeah. after the hospital scene, the, the best way to like, you know, like you said, they got blackballed, even though it wasn't a loser leaves, you know, the wrestling right. business match. They just blackballed themselves, to me, in my opinion. I think they tried to explain the blackballing because of Captain Lou Morano controls the wrestling scene in all the major arenas across the country. I can go with that. I can suspend right. that disbelief. Right. But the problem, oh, right, because he said you're not going to get booked anywhere as long as Captain's running right. it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And they, and they did a nice way. It, 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 you know, well, they did the well, first. What, no, no, Let, let's go with this. Harry Smyrak, as the Korean mafia guy says, has an epiphany on at his house because Roddy Piper's trying to get him back into, you know, managing them. Take him to the top, if you will, T.W. He, right. gets a, he gets the idea for a rock and wrestling where he combines Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom and his musical band Kick to tour across the country to play Let's just call it the NXT amphitheaters, the NXT, you know, <laughs> thousand seat arenas. And TW, it becomes a huge success. And in one of those scenes, they have another match where you, you know, they offer $1,000 to any fan that can beat Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom and the brothers, I've, the Hutchin brothers, one is Pee Wee and one is Big, Big Hutchins, who's 300 pounds. They have a match with Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom. And technically, this is supposed to be a real fight because, you know, the Hutchin brothers do not know a wrist lock from a wristwatch, TW. So this is technical. This is a shoot. This is dangerous for Roberts and Tonga Tom because they could legit get hurt and there's no insurance. There's no nothing. What say you, TW, about that logistics? Well, this is not, this is not, this is not, this is not Andy Kaufman, you know, offering 
$5,000 to a girl. Right. And Piper says to him, I don't want to do this because he thinks it's just a skinny guy. And mm-hmm. he goes, well, then you got to pay the $1,000. And he's like, I don't want to do that. But remember when they first met? Mm-hmm. He wants 15% with a $500 a week up front. $500 a week advance. Was it 5500 I thought it was five. No, $500 advance first. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. A week. Well, you know. And a month. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to believe Piper is just loaded, if that's what the case is. I guess so. He pulls out a wad of money like he's dealing drugs on the street. Mm-hmm. And, and so now they're all down and like, and how did lose his house he was he was being evicted in the first scene well his his manager somehow some way you know gets those continuances i guess we go with that but But, yeah like he just they made it out like they were just loaded and then now they're wrestling these little lowbrow places to get back in and then he gives tiny roberts the money for if they won that he has before they even win it's just every it's it's just weird like but again all of these potholes make more sense when you tell me, A, they fist fought the producers, and B, it went straight to video. So I mm-hmm. think whoever whoever got stuck with the short straw made what they could of this movie. And it makes me wonder if, if Dirk, Benedict, or Piper, anybody even did any promos for it. Like They probably they did. did. Right, which means it was the people they fought that ended up putting this movie out, not mm-hmm. Dirk and whoever right. else. It, you know, you're right. It could have been huge. It could it could have been huge, but the editor really fucked up the plot holes, like you said, T.W. Certain things doesn't make sense. So, you know, long story short, the 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 rock and wrestling tours in the NXT amphitheaters is a big success. The Rolling Stone reporter, you know, interviews Harry Smilak. He's on the cover of Rolling Stone, T.W. And now Harry Smilak wants more. He's getting greedy. He wants those tag team championships, and they go back on Ring Talk. And he hustles Captain Lou Morano into a winner, winner take all, contract for contract, title for contract, and all that stuff. It's a winner take all match, TW, back in Los Angeles. So, TW, the well, that, that was the only good editing part there with Ring Talk the second time getting into the match for the World Tag Team Championship. And now, this is where it gets funny because of all the. There's more plot holes, T.W., here. I'm, I'm sorry to say. But, you know, forget about kick playing, you know, to open the show. You know, the cameo of NWA champion Ric Flair on one side and Bruno Sammartino on the other side of the row is, is one thing. But yet, when the cannibals come out to, you know, interrupt kick playing their, you know, their set, T.W., why is somebody trying to attack Bruno Sammartino? Why is somebody trying to attack, you know, why is a riot going on and there's no cops to stop? This, the, the match should never have went on if there was a riot in front right. row. What say you right. to T.W. about still, that plot? I still am sitting here wondering what caused it. They just all start fighting each other. And it would have made more sense if, if uh, Casey would have sat with, like someone would have sat with Bruno and then those two fought. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Bruno and whoever he was with fought Flair and whoever he was with. But it just, it's, they're fighting fans. Everyone's fighting They're fighting fans, yes. And what happens, you, guess who the, the organist is? Who? The hands, Robbie Hart, the meatballs for the piano lessons. And says, open your hands. And she scoops the meatball in each hand. 
And he oh, goes, okay. That's a good meatball. That's a good meatball. <laughs> the little lady. Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't know who that was. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, she, I she's the organist. It's funny because mm-hmm. she's the organist in this movie, but she's getting piano lessons in her 90s from Billy Madison in The Wedding mm-hmm. Singer. Oh, that was her. gotcha. Mm-hmm. She, so she died like within the last five or ten years. Oh, she lived. She, God bless. She lived a good. She was almost. She lived nine. a good life. I'm gonna look her up. I'm gonna look her ass up. Cause no, you don't yes. have to do. You don't have to Google her name now. We got to talk about this movie. We, we're getting yeah, to I'm the. Talking, she's in it. Uh, I'm it's just saying. Yes. Okay. She she had a little. We're you talk know, about Billy Barty. We got to talk about her. His older sister. Of, of course, because we're we're at the main event. A riot is going down here. Vic Carson is pissed off, and Tim McCluskey uses his cane to hit him over the head because he does not want Vic Carson to go down to ringside to stop the... Like, Vic Carson is going to stop the cannibals from stopping Kick from playing their set TW. There's That's one plot hole. The second plot hole happens even before everybody enters the ring. The Korean Mafia guys and the Samoan you know bodyguards, the Samoan muscle, the wild Samoans, interrupt Harry Smyrak for a third time here, but Harry Smyrak is smart, T.W. He po- he positions himself to Captain Lou Morano's Bentley or whatever it was, or Mercedes-Benz, whatever the case may be, T.W. So now the Korean Mafia destroys Captain Lou Morano's car. That's all we get, T.W. So there's number one plot hole there. So now right, can- but they don't they don't show them do the car or Albano come find it. No, no, because. Albano is set on destroying Harry Smilak, Quick Rick Roberts, and Tonka Tom. He's already set in motion there. That's not the plot hole here. The plot hole is what you're talking about. They destroy Captain Lou Morano's car, and they never address it after the match. That could have been an editing scene, but now right, let's get it. Right. Let, let's get I into the meat. going to be credits. End of the credits is coming up or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so you know, the lady's name is Ellen Albertini Dow, and she died in 2015. Wow, she God bless. She, she lived, lived 15 years longer than that, Billy Barty, and she was born nine years, eleven years before him. Oh, she almost she was almost a hundred. Yeah, no, she, wow. she was one hundred and two, pal. Wow, one hundred and two. Thirteen to two thousand fifteen, she's one hundred and two, or at least almost made it to one hundred and two. God bless her. Yeah, that's that's a good life. I hope I can live to one hundred and two. That's what I want. I want to die as a hundred and two year old man. Not in movies. I just want to die 102 with some with some titties in my face, and I can die a happy you, man. But you're gonna have some titties on your body. It's not gonna be in your face. With, <laughs> shut up, T.W. But anyway, it, I'll I'll pay for them at 102. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Now we can get into the we can get into this match. Now, T.W. You said there was a lot of plot holes here. Yeah. Quick Rick Roberts and Tonga Tom for the for the you know contract versus title match. Now they got matching outfits. Now they got robes. Now they're doing everything that Harry Smilak said at the wrong time. This is their, this is the biggest moment of their life, their, their right. wrestling careers here to TW. And now they're dressed to the nines. They spared no expense for those robes, and it didn't really, it didn't match me. What say you about even that? They did though. Finally, do the hot tag. They did the wrestling right. The only thing mm-hmm. they did wrong, and mm-hmm. they actually did it in this match, and they did it in the match with the the fans for the thousand dollars. Two guys cannot pin one guy. It's not legal. Okay. It's not even legal in AEW where they do whatever they want. It's not legal there either. I think NWA, you can use two guys to pin. I think it was a, it was a Jim Crockett rule. Ricky so that's, and Robert rule? Yes, it was, the Ricky and, Robert yeah, rule? it was the Ricky and Robert rule. That's why they got away with it. Harry, oh, ha- if this was a Scratch and Smith episode, you'd leave the room. 
What the hell did you do? Did you have White Castle again? No, I had broccoli yesterday and the day before. Wait a minute, you're the idiot the dum-dum dude is eating crap. Why is that messing you up? Oh, and then McDonald's messed my order today. They gave me the damn, the new chicken sandwich with spicy shit all over it. But good mm -hmm. thing was, it's not, like, you know how most restaurants, the spice is already in the chicken. It's like mm -hmm. in the breading. Right. This was on the bun. Like, they just slapped it on both sides, so I wiped it off with a napkin. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was hot, but it wasn't anything near the shit I do in those videos. So, But it made my nose itch, and I think that might be where I got some of this gas. Actually, I ate Chipotle right before we recorded this. You you really living on the edge. But anyway, I am. Let, let's get it. Let's get into this match. They make the they make the save for kick. You know, all you know, the, the drum sets destroyed, the guitars destroyed, but neither here nor there. The match must go on. And now we got the tag team title match here, TW. And you know, TW, you look at this match for 80s purposes. I like the sound effects. You know, for the punches. <laughs> right, right. But but that's it. That's all I liked about this match. I, I thought it was very uncoordinated here, TW. What say you about this match, the, the main event here? It, be, I, besides the, the fact you don't like two guys, ta you know, pinning a guy. We're not getting to the end. That's the way oh, they want it. Uh, we're not giving the finish away yet? So no, don't give the finish away just yet. I, I, I don't like how it starts because it starts, like, with the heat that it should have, right? Like, this mm -hmm. is a grudge match. It's weird how we got there, because really this should have been next week after the attack on the week one, or mm -hmm. at least next month after they heal. Um, made the save. It was weird that they played in the ring this time, when every mm -hmm. other time they played on a stage. Um, right. Because we both know they would have to take down wiring and microphones and all. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's a stretch. Uh, every time Barbarian stomped the drum or kicked it, or put it over his head, I literally pictured myself, I bet you money, when they did that live, he hurt himself. Like, kicking his heel through a drum kit, and mm -hmm. his calf catching on the back of the drum, you know, or whatever. Um, but I like how it starts. It's basically a Texas Tornado match at the beginning, and then it turns into the, the pacing of a regular match. The heels take over, mm -hmm. open on Tonga Tom's ass, he makes the hot tag. And don't tag. forget... And don't forget, Harry Smilak finally gets his payoff against Captain Lou Morano by kicking him in the nutsack. So, you know, yeah. after all the stuff that Captain Lou Morano did to him, breaking his neck twice. So we got to well, at least acknowledge that. Like, the other, thing, huh, whew, yeah. other thing is, I, I guess, again, because of money, it, and I guess the long story is he was a scared man in the beginning, but now he's tougher. Dirk's Benedict never once did the Samoans at the end there, where they go to wreck Albano's car thinking it's his car. Mm -hmm. He's still talking shit, and he doesn't even have Piper and Tonga with him. Right. Whereas the first time he sees him, he's running away, and he backs off. And then the mm -hmm. second time he sees him, he runs away and backs off, and they flip the Tanya Roberts' mother's car over the ravine. Um, and then all of a sudden he's walking through the parking lot talking shit. And he was never afraid Korean mob boss. Of course not, because he had back he had backup. He, he, he if he wanted to backup. If he wanted to he but he, he, he felt confident, more confident as every You're week passed by. If the cannibals are kicking Tonga Tom and Quick Rick's asses, you're telling me the Samoans wouldn't war when they're twice the size of those guys? Mm-hmm. So potholes, but I do, I like, I like the pace.
pacing of the match, mm-hmm. if you will. And and I like everything they did. They like I said, they they did, they made the save. They didn't come to the ring. The music. Uh, the first weird part was them just coming out and messing with the equipment of the band. But right with is when a guy comes out, mm-hmm. plays first before he comes out to do a run in. Why would you do a run in and play your damn music first if you're <laughs> trying to do a sneak attack? Maybe right. it was the bad. So there, there was bad editing. Out. There was bad editing in this movie. Oh no! They come out with no music. I know. They came out to interrupt the band to get heel heat. That's what mm-hmm. a heel would do. I liked it. Right. Um, and then Piper and and Tom come out with no music either. Whereas, for example, my favorite WrestleMania moment number two is the music is what popped me. It's mm-hmm. Hogan getting beat down by Papa Shango and Sid. And then you hear, and me and my buddies just up in there jump around like little girls. Mm -hmm. And they're crying. Runs out. In that case, that's Warrior giving Hogan a sign from 50 yards away. I'm I'm here for you, brother. If he hears my music, he knows I'm coming and gives him a second win. But Mm -hmm. on a, a heel attack, you would never, ever have your music play first. Of course not. Of course not. And so I like I, I like that everything about this last match was done how it would have been done in wrestling. Mm-hmm. They came out and healed on the band. The only thing, there was some also poor editing throughout the tours. Uh, like the first few times that band played, mm-hmm. uh, it looked like they were booing them and heckling them. But then they show the crowd and people are dancing around, including the two fans that were the, in the match. Well, they were booing the, the guys getting the, their comeuppance on Quick Rick and Tonga. No, they no, were no, getting... no, 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 no. I'm talking about throughout the movie, whenever they showed the band performing, mm-hmm. it looked like they were being heckled when they showed the band. But then when they showed the audience, the audience is cheering. Well, who, it's, but it honestly, who, like they were who is kicked? But who is kicked? That's what it is. And they got to earn their steps. You keep forgetting. They were kicks. And then Dirk dropped the S. Because mm-hmm. he said, have you ever heard of kisses? Or, uh, and the guy goes, the Beatles? And he goes, uh, oh, yeah. And then he just walks away. Or the, or the Who's. That's what it was. The, the who's, who's. The Who's, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, this last match was, was booked well. Like, it was booked mm-hmm. by vintage Vince McMahon. Not, it wasn't a dusty but, schmod. But, but, the, but the, the finishing maneuver was stupid. They technically won the tag team titles off a backdrop from Quick Rick Roberts and a double pin with Tonga Tom. Even though Tonga right, Tom right. did his flying body press on the they Barbarian. They did the double bulldog first, though. They did he, the double bu- bulldog. But, but then the ending was was kind of stupid. It was the backdrop by Quick right. Rick on Tijo, and then Tonga did his dropkick or flying body press on the Barbarian. Barbarian is now kicked to the side, and then the Tonga... The backdrop kick- guy should have rolled out, and the dropkick off the top rope should have been the guy taking the pin. And, I agree. But they I agree for it, because they both pin him. Right, they both pinned one. Yeah, they both pinned the smaller one. I'm just saying that I did not like the finishing move. That's just me. I'm going logistic here. Oh, I agree. I, it I could have been have a- done a tag move. But now, now you're getting ahead of yourself because 1986 is not 2021. wonder. Mm-hmm. No one's losing on a backdrop. No one's I losing know. on a drop kick off the top rope. Let's be honest. Right. But in 1956, if you took a backdrop, mm-hmm. out of the territory, you were on to the next territory because someone saw you died when you took that bump. Because back then, you'd lose to a body slam. 
If you got taken off your feet, the match was over back then. A suplex was a finisher. Mm -hmm. Because they basically just punched and kicked and because they were high. No, no, off the ropes. But they were high impact moves. I could, I could relate to that. I can understand. I'm just saying for you know tag team purposes, like the Rock and Roll Express, they won with a double drop kick. The Road Warriors had the 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 Doom, you know, the Doomsday Device. The Heart Foundation had the Heart Attack. The Midnight Express had the uh, what what was it called? The the damn, you you know the move I'm talking about. It was the Alabama Jam from uh from Bobby Eden off the top rope when Stan Lane. Yeah, so it was high end. That's high end. Los Rudos called that. I got a picture of me and Rico doing that. We Mm -hmm. called it the drive by. There you go. Drive by is Los Rudos. But but you you understand where I'm talking about high impact moves. It was a it was quick Rick Roberts solo move and a double pin. I did not like that. So anyway. They win. They win the contracts. They win the titles. Captain Lou Morano is out of the business. Harry Smilak's the number one man in wrestling right now. And because of kick and rock and wrestling, he's the number one music man. And those are the ugliest belts I've ever seen to end a movie. <laughs> they TW. They're cardboard. They're cardboard. They're like backyard cardboard cutouts that, you know, 15-year-old kids would make. Out of milk cartons. That's how bad those belts looked. So, TW. And, again, the plot hole is Captain Lou Morano and the cannibals should have committed, you know, attempted murder on the wild Samoans and the Korean National Bank Mafia guy for destroying his car. So, TW. It it would have been a nice sequence to end with, like, them losing, them going Mm -hmm. to the locker room, then going to their car and seeing their cars in pieces. And it could have ended like that. Like, damn it. Saying our day. It's what ultimate comeuppance? Let, let me now explain to the reflectionites and the elite eight out there. You know, technically after this match, because it was if it was booked correctly, like you said, you know they, you know, what happened before the attack with the dog collar chains and all that stuff. Building to this match here, TW. Technically, you all go into the locker room and you shake hands and say, "We got them, TW." But te- right. technically, this was supposed to be real. Bad blood here, TW. So, did you like that plot hole? You know, yes. no, no. I, I, I liked it. I like. I actually liked that there was no false finish or screw job. The screw mm-hmm. job was them getting pummeled in that first encounter. <clears throat> I like. Th- at the end of every program, the babyface should win. Unless right. it's in title matches, not um, like that's something that's lost in modern wrestling. Like heels win so often. Someone, mm-hmm. someone pointed out, I think on the hustle page that every major champion and every promotion is a heel other than a couple women. Right. 90% is a, is a heel right yeah. now. Yeah. Heel champions. And it's like, it, 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 it takes away from the hope. The whole point of wrestling is good versus evil back in the day until the nineties mm-hmm. when you got the tweeners, which was fine. Cause it's a mm-hmm. different animal. But if you watch a wrestling show now, especially WWE, it's little kids in the audience. You want to see, like, right now, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen Friday night with Daniel Bryan. You, Daniel Bryan is a perfect example of it works, right? He just has everything thrown at him, the deck stacked against him. He ends up winning the world title. It's overshadowed by the streak ending. But mm-hmm. the, the Daniel Bryan movement is probably the coolest thing to happen in wrestling in the last 10 years for me. You know, like as far as organically, just they rip the fans love that dude. There's no, there's no, you know, yeah, but reasons. we gave that to you in 2014. You can't do it in 2020. Wonder, no, 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 no. I, what I'm saying is, is 
Roman Reigns is just mowing through everybody. He's mm-hmm. gonna finally when he finally loses, it's gonna be something stupid like to The Rock or John Cena or someone mm-hmm. big, Braun Strowman switches or whoever, and you could have had somebody like Daniel Bryan, David versus Goliath. You could have had David slay the giant. Mm-hmm. And I, I would hope Cesaro would be the guy who ends up, and he won't, but ends up being the guy to beat Roman because think of all the years that the IWC, YWC, talking about how Cesaro's wasted and they're not using him right. He being the guy to finally beat Roman after Roman's just been on this tape, pinned two guys. He pinned two guys at WrestleMania. Right. He's unstoppable. Cesaro is the great example of a Hollywood ending done right. I I get you. I get you. And beating him clean, which is what Mm -hmm. my whole point bringing him up was, Rick and Tom beat them clean. And there was no chicanery. There Mm -hmm. was was manager stopping other manager. It was hero save the day because the heels are beating up the band to start it all out. Everything Mm -hmm. about it is what sends the fans home happy. Right. It's, it's, It's why... The streak was second from last when it should have been last. Mm-hmm. It's because Vince thought Brian winning the belt sends people home happy, but people are still stunned from the damn Undertaker losing, right? So it, it didn't work in that instance. Right. But the reason you have the babyface go over the last match is you want people to go home happy. And now, because of Monday Night Raw and stuff like that, you can have the heel win last, and then people turn on Raw the next day to find out what he's got to say. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but I like everything about this. I like that booking. I don't, you know, I'm not stuck in the eighties. I don't need matches to be like the eighties. I like a little bit of everything. Like that's why I kicked myself about ECW because it was a little bit of everything. And I was misled to believe it was all hardcore and hardcore has never been something for me. Ever. If if you knew me in the nineties, I would have got you it as you an would've. ECW. I would have, it would have been my yep. personal, you know, mission to get you as an ECW mark, but you know what? Not only that I would have watched it, I would have actually tried to wrestle there. <laughs> and you would have said, I would have been killed by the new Jacks and the, uh, the you would have been power bombed on animals. the, yeah, you would have been power bombed on the flaming table that that's for damn sure, but it would have been worth it. But anyway, we close out with the, with the heroes getting the belts, Harry Smilak getting the woman and, He's getting the Grammy in in another couple of months for kick. So either way, everybody goes home happy here, TW. So, you know, give a quick one minute synopsis of, of what you like. Uh out of a out of a ten, what do you give Body Slam? This is not like gone with the win rating. This is entertainment value only. Yeah. I will mm-hmm. give it an eight. I will give okay. it an eight because I really, really liked it. I can't give it a 10 because I explained all the potholes, but even mm-hmm. with those potholes, I was entertained. Um, the only reason I stopped watching it last night is because I took NyQuil and I knew the end was near, so I stopped mm-hmm. it. And then right. I started, I watched an hour and six minutes of it last night and the last 30 minutes today. Um, but it wasn't because it was putting me to sleep. It's because that NyQuil was. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, I liked everybody in it. There wasn't like, sometimes you watch a movie like, for example, I, I shared it on uh, Facebook, the new Marvel trailer, and the Eternals has Angelina Jolie in it. So that means every time she's on screen, I'm going to shake my head like, son of a bitch, because yeah. there's there's always someone in a movie you're like, I don't like that person, right? Mm-hmm. There's no one in this movie that I'm like, come on, get out of here, get out of here. I like the cameo by by uh, Gomez Adams, who's, by the way, that's that's Frodo's dad, not Frodo, Samwise G's dad. 
That's mm-hmm. uh, him and Patty Duke is his parents. Um, I like Billy Barty being there. I like the talk show aspect of it. I like I like everything about it. I and I like like watched it if I wasn't a wrestling fan because Dirk Benedict was on it, right? And then mm-hmm. Tanya Roberts and just everything about it I liked, and I I would happily give it a ten if it didn't have the the thing I alluded to in the beginning. The way it just ended sucked. Like, mm-hmm. they just stand there with the, as I'm looking, going, those are terrible belts. Psh, credits roll. I'm like, what the, what? I'm like, what about mm-hmm. the car? Where's the but after party? Now you know. Tanya Roberts back too easy. Right? Yeah. And then a the little elevator when he's throwing the flowers on the table. I thought he's going to get decapitated reaching out of that damn thing. Again, again, all the plot holes and the production uh, full pause here. But you know what? I'll give it a nice seven. I'll give it a six and a half to seven because of the nostalgia. And while and we close out TW holding a four horsemen, you know, action set, action figure set. That is a nice one. Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Ric Flair, and the Mongo Man himself. That's for and, Mongo, man. He's been in the news, so I thought yeah. I would show that on the camera. Prayers to Mongo McMichael fighting uh, a- ALS. And, uh, you know, he-, he is, you know, just send your prayers to Mongo McMichael. And we close out going to the movies here with Body Slam TW. It was a, it was a joy to do a movie thing again. So, yes. you know, I'm going to have to do really some digging for a wrestling or wrestler in a movie so we could talk about it in the near future Town, man but no 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 we're not gonna do that next week we're gonna do greatest rivalries we're you know how we started the greatest rivalry set with steamboat and flair in 1989 i forgot to talk about another great rivalry in 1989 and it involved rick flair so we're gonna talk about terry funk Ric Flair, 1989. We're going to talk about the Great American Bashes. We're going to talk about Halloween Havoc, and we're going to talk about the I Quit match. So it's going to be great to talk about a rivalry set between Ric Flair and Terry Funk in 1989. Uh, Wonder Nine. What? What? What do you want to call it? What's What's 89? It's 89. It's just 89. Naughties and 80s. Okay. Awesome 80s. Awesome 80s. Awesome 89. All right, TW. Give out those socials so we can get out of hell. All righty then. Big Vito Brand makes it possible for us, or he's at the bigvitobrand.wixsite.com. Also, patreon.com backslash the big beat, not the, the big Vito Brand. Um, our good man JB, who's still healing up his rectum, at VP1JB. Um, it must be bleeding out of his ass. I don't know. Our show is at PW Reflection. Um, Travis, I'll give you one. Nuts and Bolts PZW. Or no, Bolts is the Z. Nuts and Bolts PW is Travis's Twitter handle. If you want to coax him out of retirement, he's a busy man. Our good man Ray is at Big Ray Hernandez. And then I have Instagram and Twitter that are at Tommy Wonder19. That Twitter is when I argue with people. My Snapchat is Number Wonder. My Facebook is Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then my other one is at the Tommy Wonder on Twitter. And that's where I talk about more pop culture stuff and try to keep it clean. All right. And and the dumb dumb doing an idiot YouTube oh. channel. We're gonna make a new video soon. He's halfway through his thirty day ban. I can't wait. I want you to eat this. I want to watch you. Just send me the notification when you're gonna eat the fish. I want to watch you eat the yeah. fish. Yeah. And, yeah. and and shout out to the newest reflection night. He actually got to me on the Twitter. Yeah. His Twitter handle is Greenpeace420. So you know, get all your imagination out the way, TW. He loves weed, so it's Greenpeace420. 
420. Shout out to a, the newest reflection night. He got to me. He, you know, he loves the PWR podcast. He loves the movies. He loves all the shows we do. He can't wait for all the other stuff to. Oh, nice. Made the four be, horsemen be with you. I like that one right there. Good stuff. Good stuff here. So shout out to our newest reflection night, Greenpeace 420. I hope you will become a reflection, a long lifer as a reflection night. But anyway, my Twitter handle is PWHustleProf. That's PWHustleProf. And of course, follow my follow my guys for the PWHustle, respectively. Mr. Infinite Fringe himself, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me. And of course, the king of the reactions on the PWSO YouTube page, A-Track Brown at A-Track Dastly. And next week, Robbery Edition, Flair and Funk from 1989. We'll see you then next week. I'm the Professor. That's the Iron Stomach One TW saying good night and see you next time, Reflection Nights. <laughs> Snarl your ass away. <laughs>